Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Friends, welcome to Praying for America. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life, one of the world's largest pro-life organizations. Thank you for being with me. We're going to look at the Word of God, and I want to take one theme that needs to shape this new year. We already talked about how we are to extend the blessing of God over the nation, over President Trump, over all that has to be done in this new year. And now I want to take that one step further by saying, what about us? What is it that we need to do? What summarizes and shapes our different activities in this year to bring about the victories that we need to bring about? to make our country great again, to save our country, and to preserve our freedom. And that comes from the 58th chapter of Isaiah. I'm going to read a passage from there. We're going to pray. And then just some random thoughts about uh, things that have been going on, catching political headlines. And I want to draw out a couple of patterns for you from these various uh, uh, news items. So let's go into the Word of God together, as we always do. Isaiah 58, starting with verse 1. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? You call this a day of fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Rather, is this not the fast I desire, to loose the bonds of wickedness? to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we begin this year, as we resolve to fight like never before for freedom, truth, justice, and life for America, And for those who are best qualified to lead her, we turn to you. Purify us of our sins. 
Lord, let us not simply pretend to seek righteousness, feign to want to be close to you. Let it be real and enable us to see the path to preserving freedom by recognizing in each of our fellow citizens, in each member of our family, in each little child, the dignity, the image of you yourself, Lord God, and their right to be free. Enable us, Lord God, to defend life, truth, and freedom with every word we speak. Enable us to be mouthpieces for the truth that can save this nation. Enable us to be voices and prophets of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. It is he whom we acknowledge as the Lord of every nation and the only Savior of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of freedom, and, and this is the theme, by the way, the first verse of that passage, lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. You know, we talk about so many different things, and we know what our, what our position is. We know what our worldview is. We all share it here in this audience. We, uh, we proclaim it in a hundred different ways. We see different news stories and political developments, and we know the narrative. We know the narrative of the other side. We know our own narrative. We know, for example, the, the great accomplishments of uh, President Trump in his first administration. We know what great accomplishments there would be in a second such administration. We know the direction that the Democrats are taking. Uh, destroying our country will continue to be studying Mark Levin's book in upcoming episodes. We know these various talking points. We have to lift up our voice like a trumpet blast. That's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm going to hit on a couple of themes here. But we have got to lift up our voice like a trumpet blast. We have got to make up for what is a narrative and a theme of the other side right now, which is to silence us. Silence and sideline. They want to silence and sideline President Trump. I want to talk a little bit about the ways that they're doing that, which you're already well aware of. What do we do in response to that? We don't simply lament that. We pick up the slack. If they silence some of his words, we speak those same words twice as much. If they try to silence a conservative voice on a campus or in a, on a media outlet or on a political platform or on a social media platform, what is our response? Not just to lament and criticize that. The fundamental response we have to make is to take what that message is that they are trying to silence and amplify it ourselves. We all take a pick up the slack. Now, we defend the rights of those who are sidelined, silenced, and canceled. And we use every legal and peaceful means to reinstate their voices. But in the process of doing so, Isaiah 58.1 is what gives us our marching orders. Lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. Don't let your reaction just be in here and in here. Let it be out there in the public. And we have so many different ways of doing that. Now, one of the protections we have for doing that, which, of course, is not in play these days because we are living in a weaponized cancel culture, is the freedom of speech. 
we have got part of making America great again is to restore the freedom of speech. It's been taken away from us. It has been taken away. This is a police state. It's not that a police state is coming. Thought control is not just a, a, a vision of the left. It's a reality now. In a hundred different ways, we've traced many of them here on this program, and we will do so again. And President Trump has spoken out about it. However, restoring the First Amendment, and particularly the freedom of speech, starts with properly understanding it. And I have my pocket version of the Constitution here. I hope you all have one as well. If not, please get one. Carry it around with you. Put it in your pocket. James Madison was crafting the First Amendment back in our founding era. And did you know that he insisted that when they wrote in the First Amendment about freedom of speech, he insisted that the article the, the little word the, be put first so that they wouldn't just say you cannot infringe freedom of speech, but as the amendment reads, Congress shall make no law. First, they start with religion, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging what? He insisted that the next word be the or abridging the freedom of speech. Now, what's the significance of that? Because as we've pointed out here before, freedom of speech isn't just a constitutional right. It's a human right. It doesn't simply flow from our founding documents. It flows from our human dignity. That's crucially important to understand. Because then we understand what this First Amendment does. It doesn't bestow on us the freedom of speech. It prevents the government from limiting it. We already have it. That is so crucially important to understand, and I think most of us already understand it. It flows from our human dignity to be able to think freely, formulate our thoughts, our understanding of, of reality, formulate our opinions, and then express them. Not only is it part of our human dignity, it's part of our health. It's part of our sanity. I've, I've made this point before as well. You want to be a sane human individual. You want to be healthy in mind, body, and spirit. You, you've got to be able to, 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 to tell people who you are. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have any filters whatsoever. Obviously, virtue requires that there are certain things in certain circumstances we don't say or we say things certain ways or not certain other ways. We all know that. But the point is... To be able to express yourself is essential for your dignity and for your health. And it's recognized here in the Constitution. Why? Not because the government gives it to us, but because we have it already. The same is true of the right to life. The same is true of the freedom of religion. These flow from our very humanity. And who put them there? Our creator, right? So our creator gives us certain Unalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Part of that liberty is the freedom of speech, the freedom of speech. It pre-exists the government. It pre-exists the Constitution. And that's why Congress can make no law abridging it. All right. Any more than Congress can make a law saying that you are a different species other than human. Can't make any such law because no law can take your humanity away from you. It cannot take away from you the rights that flow from your humanity.
And freedom of speech has been upheld in many ways by many different Supreme Court decisions. I want to zero in on one of them. I'm taking this, by the way, from a recent article from Judge Napolitano. He uh, talked about the unanimous Supreme Court decision in 1969 called Brandenburg versus Ohio. And the importance of that is that it made it clear that, you know, a lot of speech is offensive and a lot of speech some people might even consider dangerous because it encourages violence or hatred. Not that this is morally acceptable, but constitutionally, speech is protected as long as, as there is time for more speech to come and challenge it if people think that it's the kind of speech that can lead to violence. Talking about public speech, even if it's provocative, that doesn't speech being provocative does not take away its protection because other speech can come along and show people why the speech that you just heard is wrong. It's only speech that is imminently, immediately triggering violence in the, in, the, in the moment that does not enjoy that protection. But that's not what we're talking about when we, when we talk about most speech. Factually erroneous speech is protected. So he writes here, like 2 plus 2 equals 22. That's protected speech. It's completely wrong. It's self-evidently wrong. But nobody has the, the, the liberty or the pursuit of happiness unless they are able to speak their mind. John Stuart Mill famously wrote this. If all mankind, minus one, were of one opinion, and only one person were of the contrary opinion, mankind would be no more justified in silencing that one person then he, if he had the power, would be justified in silencing mankind. Interesting thought. Profound insight. And the only reason that's true is that the freedom of speech flows from human dignity. The majority cannot snuff out human dignity. That's why the majority cannot also permit the destruction of a baby. You can't kill an innocent human life, no matter how many People are in the majority saying that that should be able to happen. It can't happen. It is no justification for that kind of activity, which we see happening in every abortion. Speaking, by the way, of abortion, and, and just to finish on this, the best way to defend the freedom of speech is to exercise it without fear. Going back again to Isaiah 58, lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. Stop intimidating yourself. Stop letting other people intimidate you. You have your, your beliefs, your opinion, your view. Speak it. Speak it in a hundred different ways. Speak it with more intensity than you did yesterday. Speak it throughout this new year. Speak it and reach your intended audience with that speech. Now, speaking of the right to life, you know, Carrie Lake has uh, made a proposal. She's been out there with this for a while. And it's one of the cultural ways that we bring about a change when it comes to the protection of uh, babies in our, in our society. She said that American women should receive a baby bonus um, as a way of discouraging abortion. And she took this uh, 
idea. She took inspiration for this idea from somebody uh, somebody else that I'm I'm privileged to know and have interacted with in a number of ways in the international arena. Uh, the Prime Minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, he said um, that uh, the way that Hungary has reduced their numbers of abortions dramatically, without changing the law, they cut the numbers in half, is because they supported families and encouraged parents to have children, encourage them financially. So what they do is um, if you are married and you have a baby, women in Hungary who have four babies never pay taxes again. Never again. They give a lot of different kinds of tax breaks to women who are being generous, as God calls us to be, with life. Now, this doesn't mean that if you don't have a tax break, you're justified in killing your child. But what it means is human nature being what it is. When you have these kinds of uh, incentives, it takes away some of those pressures that some people feel uh, when, um, when they're in a difficult situation. They don't know if they're going to be able to make it. Realizing that there's going to be some financial stress removed from you is uh, is is extremely helpful, and that indeed can make uh, can make the difference. One of the key ways of making America great again, together with the freedom of speech, is the respect for life. Again, it's based on our human dignity. We have got to talk about this issue, brothers and sisters. And in this new year, there are going to be many battles on this on this battlefront about children, about unborn children, about pregnancy, about childbirth, about abortion. We have got to get this right. On another, uh, in another area, of course, the ongoing debate about racism and the, the, uh, the obsession of the left with calling everything that they disagree with us about, calling it racist, really should provoke from us a proper response of pointing out the racism of their leader and their Democrat corrupt party, the corrupt pathological liar by the name of Joe Biden. You know, I was listening to Dick Morris recently just go through a whole litany, and you can hear this from various commentators in various places, of the evidence of the racism of this man who's currently occupying the White House. You remember the you ain't black comment, right? You support Trump, you ain't black. You know, what kind of a stupid statement is that? As, as if the color of one's skin uh, prohibits one from coming to his or her own conclusions about who should be supported as president. But you go into the mind of, of Joe Biden and, you know, if you don't know whether you're going to vote for me or Trump, you ain't black. How stupid that is. And then, you know, he's made other comments like, let me just go through a few of these examples. You'll remember all of them. The black Americans are illiterate because their parents couldn't read or write. Poor kids are just as bright as white kids. Who did he say was one of his mentors in the United States Senate? Senator Byrd. Died in 2010. Byrd was in the KKK. His position was, I'm not making this up, his, his position was exalted cyclops. 
and Biden said he was one of his mentors. Biden said of Obama, first mainstream black American was articulate, bright, and clean. What kind of a comment is that? And then he says, oh, you can't go to a 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts without a slight Indian accent. You know what? Going back into the 70s was Biden's re-election message for his uh, uh, Senate race. That he was a key opponent of school busing for desegregation. He's made up all kinds of stories, lies. He's a pathological liar. Pathological. He, not only the number of things he lies about, but his insistence on continuing to say things that have been long debunked, the pattern is, 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 is overwhelming. He makes up all kinds of stories about how he was fighting segregation. The reality of it is that he praised segregationists. He made up all, makes up all kinds of stories about his involvement in the civil rights movement, stories that are simply not true. What's the point of me saying all these things right now? Brothers and sisters, lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. They are the racists, Biden and the Democrats. We went through this in Mark Levin's book. We'll go through it again. They are the racists, not because we can just slap a label on them like they slap a label on us, but because we've got the evidence. There's no evidence, zero evidence that President Trump is racist. Zero evidence. In fact, there's all kinds of evidence exactly to the contrary. The praise that he receives from the, from the people who work and have worked with him from folks in minority communities as to the respect he has for our fellow citizens, no matter what their ethnic background, the man is about as far from a racist as you can get. Biden, on the other hand, he just keeps on digging his own grave when it comes to uh, uh, this, particular, uh, this particular vice. Now, he also said recently, and this is, again, something that we have to lift up our voices about like a trumpet blast. Here you've got Democrats at every level of government trying to accuse President Trump of inciting insurrection. Now, they know they don't have the evidence. The January 6th commission in, in the Democrat-controlled uh, House in the last Congress uh, put on a, a circus. It was a circus. It was a one-sided uh, television series that had absolutely no basis in fact, and um, and 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 they know it, which is why, despite the fact that there's 91 charges that have been leveled against President Trump, none of them having any basis whatsoever, not a single one of them charges him with insurrection. Not a single one. Simple fact, right? We've got to make sure people understand this. He hasn't been charged with insurrection or aiding an insurrection, nor has he been convicted of such. And yet, and yet, some judges and some election officials and Secretary of State of Maine, for example, want to decide that because he supported insurrection, he can't be on the ballot. Now, that presupposes a whole lot of things, all right? It presupposes that they're properly understanding what the third clause of the 14th Amendment uh, says, and they've got that wrong. 
But it's also just on the factual basis that he's guilty of participating in his insurrection. Says who? There is no, nothing of that that has been demonstrated. Now, I say this as prelude to pointing out something that Biden recently said to a reporter, that it is self-evident that Trump committed insurrection. Now, look at this scenario. The head of the party, whose various members and surrogates out there and people in different, different government positions are trying to push this narrative that has not been proven, and who, if they exercise their responsibility properly, would look at the evidence in an objective way as they are obliged to do and render a proper judgment. But the person on the head of this corrupt pyramid is saying, oh, but it's self-evident he incited insurrection. How does a system like that work exactly for fairness in America? How exactly is that supposed to work? When everybody has a right to their reputation, when everybody has a right to all the privileges that America brings because they're always innocent until proven guilty. Nobody has to prove his innocence. Might want to send that again in a memo to Nancy Pelosi as you raise your voices like a trumpet blast. Remember she said, oh, well, you know, he has the courts where he can prove his innocence. What? These people are both corrupt and stupid. Oh, yes, a lot of them, they know exactly what they're doing. That's why I say they're corrupt. They're stupid too. Sometimes they're smart stupid. In other words, they know full well the things that they pretend not to know. But to try to use these things in the way that they're trying to use them to destroy America, ultimately, it's evil, but it's also, it's also a form of stupidity. Brothers and sisters, for this man at the top of the Democrat pyramid to be saying this is a complete injustice even just to be saying that. Now, what is the strategy there of trying to get President Trump off the ballot? Why would they want to do this in the first place? If they try it in one place, try it in another place, that the purpose is not for that place. You might say, oh, that's a blue state. He's not going to win anyway. It's not the point. The, the, the idea is to get a snowball effect, to get this going and, and, and to encourage people to do it. You know, we talked about this a long time ago on this program before the first step had even been taken uh, on this nonsense about trying to disqualify him from the ballot. But understand the dynamic here. And a number of commentators have pointed this out. Many Republican voters and a lot of, of conservative-minded independent voters are going to come out and vote primarily motivated by what? Or by whom, I should say. They're going to come out and vote primarily motivated by Donald J. Trump. If you don't have him on the ballot, and by the way, I'm saying this not because I think their efforts are going to succeed. I'm saying this in order to help us understand what is going on here in the effort itself. Trying to get him off the ballot is not just about him or whether he would be elected. It's about all the down-ballot races, all the races for Congress, all the races for, for those states that have Senate races, all the races for uh, local government or state legislatures, governors, uh, local officials. You don't, show, you don't show up to vote 
they get a benefit in all those races. Because if you're showing up to vote because you're motivated to vote for President Trump, you're likely going to vote Republican and conservative right down the ballot. But if you don't show up at all because they managed to, you know, get Trump off the, 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 the ballot. Now, those of us who are hardcore, obviously, we would go in there anyway and write his name in. But the point is that uh, you don't have um, you don't have simply something that is targeted here at one person. The Democrats want to control all the levers of power up and down the, the scale of government. And that is what's behind this. What's behind this is just as much about taking over Congress and taking over the governorships and the state legislatures as it is about taking over the White House or re, uh, keeping control of the White House. Okay, that's all we have time for right now. But brothers and sisters, here I want to show you donaldjtrump.com slash events because when we talk about, you know what they're trying to do with, with him with all these charges and all these, uh, these court appearances and these multiple uh, cases going on at once, uh, both on the federal level and the state level, is to tie up his attention and the resources of the campaign. If he has to sit in a courtroom then he's not out giving a rally. Now, he's going to manage this anyway. He and his team are going to manage this. I want to show you, first of all, I want you to go regularly to donaldjtrump.com slash events. Let's take a look at that webpage because the events are posted there uh, that he is doing. And we have events coming up at the end of this week. We're coming up in uh, Iowa. Do we have that webpage that we can show? Uh, the events coming up in Iowa. Let's scroll down and we can see them Friday um, let's scroll down the page. And Friday, we have a couple of events uh, there in Iowa. You know, and then we have events on the following weekend, the 13th and the 14th. Keep going. And you'll see them all there. Pres uh, DonaldJTrump.com slash events. If you bookmark that page, go to it frequently, you'll be able to keep up on all the events. Now, some of you may be able to go to these events if they're in your area. But all of you will be able to see his remarks at these events. Okay, that's good. DonaldJTrump.com slash events. Uh, we can go off that page. Uh, the uh, Right Side Broadcasting Network, of course, always covers his speeches from beginning to end without interruption. And uh, likewise, then, uh, we post them at PresidentTrumpRallies.com. Uh, and so I invite you again also to bookmark that those pages, right? RSB Network and also PresidentTrumpRallies.com. Uh, friends, why? Because we are the ones who need to make up by our own efforts, by our own conversations, social media, if you're a preacher, by your preaching, uh, by our letters to the editor, articles, op-eds, any which way we can do it, we are to lift up our voices like a trumpet blast because the left is trying to silence all the trumpets and silence Trump and silence us. Don't let them do it. And for every little bit that they are able to silence, you speak 10 times louder, 10 times more frequently. Remember, it's about sound bites. It's about snapshots. Take the good things that we know. Take the great accomplishments President Trump has made and is, 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 is going to continue to make and put those in the form of a meme, a social media post, a graphic, a soundbite. Take these things. 
it's not trumpeting, you know, 20 page essays or, or position papers. Those have their place. And people who educate themselves on the issues need to read through those things. But when we're talking about influencing the masses, we're talking like Dan Bongino has said over and over about sound bites and snapshots. That's politics. That's how it works. You have just as much of an ability to create sound bites and snapshots and to echo them as do the corrupt people on the left who are trying to destroy America. Let's be louder, we who are working to save America. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us a voice. We thank you for giving us a free gift to us. Thank you for our voice. May we lift it up. Lord, let it not be quiet. Let it not be tentative. Let it not be doubtful. Let it not be in a whisper. Let us lift it up like a trumpet blast. That's what this year requires. That's what this fight requires. Lord God, we're not called to give lectures or, or nuanced position papers. We're called to proclaim sound bites, to proclaim snapshots, to proclaim truth in bite-sized nuggets that our fellow citizens, young and old alike, can receive and can transmit themselves. It can be influenced. People can be influenced in five seconds, even less. In two seconds, people can be influenced to go the right way or the wrong way. Lord, help us to recognize the power we have. Help us always to appreciate the power of our voice and allow, Lord God, that we would never, ever be silenced. And with this prayer in mind and lifting up the prayer intentions of everyone here present, we now offer that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, once again, Happy New Year, friends. You're in my prayers. Uh, stay connected with my ministry at endabortion.us. Endabortion.us. It is the number one moral issue of our time. And stay connected with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. That's FR Frank Pavone on all the platforms. God bless you. Talk to you tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that. And today, I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or 
to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.